1: Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Shares for beginners. Weekend
0: watch list. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company that you may wish to consider for your watch list. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how Stockopedia screens for value. Joining me today is Elio D'Amato and we're talking Clinivelle Pharmaceuticals Limited ASX Code C U V. G'day Elio.
1: Yeah, g'day, Phil. It's great to be back. And obviously, uh, talking about complex businesses like this and making it simple to understand is something I try to do, but it doesn't erode the risks. But of course, Phil, we're going to get to that later on in this presentation.
0: Okay, so they produce – the, well, their main product is a drug to treat a rare skin disease that causes extreme light sensitivity. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a ripper, isn't it? I mean, it's a, a little bit of a tongue twister, but obviously uh, its history sort of led it down this path where a group of Australian researchers picked up the drug technology – And ultimately, went about developing drugs that, you know, can help with the intolerance of, you know, photosensitivity, as it were, both natural light, and in some cases, even artificial light. So this can obviously lead to liver disease and gallbladder dysfunction, basically a bunch of nasty things. So Uh, I'm not going to go into the medical science um, here, but uh, they came up with a peptide, afamelanotide, which is being sold to the market as Senesi, which is the product you just described. And basically, that product is being sold all around the world and is actually funding its business, um, in particular, its R&D journey. Again, another topic we're going to get to in this recording. But uh, yeah, it's quite exciting, provided they can get it right, of course.
0: A few years ago, they attracted a raft of major investors from superannuation funds to asset management giant Fidelity and even the founder of Napster. Is the register still as heavyweight?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good one, isn't it? Well noted. It's, um, look, it does have its big backers who do believe in the business and have ridden. This uh, stock, much like the roller coaster that its share price implies. So, yeah, you mentioned that Napster founder, like Sean Parker, for example. And, yes, his fund, Ender One LLC, they still own over 5% of the business. But it's now the second biggest shareholder behind ex-CEO Phil Walgren. Yeah, to be frank, at certain camera angles, he can be confused with Ray Romano, to be honest. Uh, and controversy has followed him during his tenure at the company but big backers have seen through that and they've uh, backed him and the company. And I think he's being well-deserved in what he's received. And yeah, I'll explain a little later why.
0: So in their latest annual report, the chair described the transformation of the business into a diverse pharmaceutical with multiple products. So they're obviously not going to be resting their laurels just on a single product. Is this unusual in pharma companies? Oh, look, it's a great
1: question, Phil, because to be honest, this really lies the opportunity. Unlike many other pharmaceutical businesses where they may have various derivatives of their drug that they use to treat other various ailments and they go through the FDA process and and the like or the TGA or equivalents in Europe, this one here is really an opportunity to basically sell its service as an over-the-counter product or what it calls photocosmetics. The good news is, is that it's currently already been identified as safe, so it's effectively taking it out of the lab and putting it into the hands of the mum and dad. And Mr. Walgren, who I touched on earlier, he admitted himself that really it's like the company doing uh, uh, closing the circle, as it were, because EpiTan, which is what the company first listed as in two thousand and five, uh, some two decades ago now, um, was actually designed as a drug solution for um, delivering fake tans. So. The addressable market is quite huge in regards to this over-the-counter space. It, it's going to take work and, dare I say it, it's going to take a lot of money. So they've got to now convince consumers that this is a healthier solution than sitting in a space tub getting pumped with UV, which is now illegal, I think, these days in Australia, or even getting spray painted like a car at a panel shop. Um, you know, They've got a first pilot program in Europe. If they can prove that there's success there, obviously, there's a big market in the US and uh, no doubt we'll feel the benefit here in Australia. But obviously, given Senesi is so widely accepted nowadays, even though it addresses a small market, we'll get to that in a moment. If it can get into cosmetic products, then that'll be a big boon for the company. And yeah, as Mr. Walgren said, does close the loop.
0: The annual report also mentioned there that- did direct distribution model. Is that unusual? As the name suggests,
1: it's basically putting their big boy pants on and tackling the market directly, uh, rather than necessarily going through a third-party distribution network. Now, this can be a risk. It's an obvious risk, and we'll talk a bit about that later. But for an established business like Clinovel Pharmaceuticals, probably not. To me, this actually makes sense. I mean, they're well-established, their product is safe, and there's obvious benefits on the back of it. So Notwithstanding the travails of running a direct distribution model, I think for CUV
0: it works. Give us a little bit of an insight into their history, Elio. Yeah,
1: so as mentioned, in 2005, they were Epitan, but then the FDA basically sent the business to its knees until it was renamed a year later, Clinovel Pharmaceuticals. And uh, basically, an Australian team licensed the molecule, and their desire was to maximise the medicinal benefits. Of the drug rather than the cosmetic ones, which we just spoke about earlier. So this led the researchers down a path of curing a pretty rare skin intolerance condition that causes, you know, painful photosensitivity. That Senesi product, as I mentioned, it's rare. There'll be the condition that it services is pretty rare. In fact, if you go to the company's website, they say that they've only administered some fourteen thousand five hundred doses of that over the past 17 years globally. So I think it's 1,400 individuals globally have actually received Senesi and the drug can cost anywhere between $90,000 to $140,000 to administer, though of course governments subsidize that treatment quite heavily for those that suffer that terrible affliction. So This sale of Senesi has supported the R&D work the company has got, which is, to be frank, quite significant, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And despite the small cohort that it does sell to now, the earnings performance for the company has actually really reflected the difference it's made to its patients. It's actually quite good. As I alluded to in the introduction, the price has been wild for some time, falling 60% from its peak, if you can believe that, back in September 2021. So I think now's a good time to ask uh, us as investors, is you know, Clintonville ready to step back into the light once more?
0: Yeah, it's interesting to look at the financials, which we're going to talk about now, and um, what the return has been. It's been uh, quite good, and the revenue increases have been great as well. Tell us about the financials and what they look like from your point of view.
1: Yeah, to be fair, it's all about perspective, uh, Phil, because, of course, if you bought at the peak, you probably disagree with your view. But um, look, overall, the company scores are 74. So it's not in the elite class of market performances or performers, I should say. uh, Far from it. We're going to break that score of 74 down a little bit, though. And I'll I'll start with quality, which is really, pardon the pun, the shining light um, in regards to CV's result, because it is highly
0: profitable. It, that's um, you know, it, You've got 97 as the score, haven't you, for um, the quality?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yes, 97 is the quality score because, you know, profit margins are above 50% for the last few years. And if you sort of, you know, knock out the COVID impact, the, the company's been managing to grow its operating and net profits basically every year since it first became profitable in 2017. So. In fact, actually, uh, profits are now four times greater than what they were back then. So, further supporting the idea that COVID was a blip, I mean, revenues in 2020 actually rose uh, that financial year, which does show a certain element of resilience in the company's earnings. So, That score of 97, as you said, is a combination of the fact that its um, return on capital employed and return on equity are both above 20%. It's got low bankruptcy risk, and the Piotrowski score is actually six. So earnings manipulation is also low, and you can further see evidence of that in the very strong cash balance and regular strong uh, free cash flow that the company actually generates. But of course, as with all of these types of businesses, the big bugbear is value. And like many profitable biotech stories, the stock rates poorly from a value perspective. It really doesn't rate much at all. If my memory serves me correct, I think it's around 22, Phil. Um, so, and that's despite the significant pullback in price from its all-time high in 2021. So this is an obvious risk because you know we have to consider that. But then again, Clinivell are a profitable business and they're growing their, their profits and they're one of the few profitable businesses in this space. The company has a saleable product in the US and uh, Europe. It's also got a strong pipeline of coming work. It deserves the premium, to be fair, but obviously a lot of that premium will depend on what happens moving forward. So it, it, let's say there was a consolidation when the stock was, say, you know, 43. Back then, when there's a consolidation, the stock was like $43. The value score was four. It was pretty poor. Prior to the company's latest annual result, it was actually 15 notwithstanding the weak value rank, it's actually been improving. But the oxymoron is, of course. Price has been falling. And there are risks, and I'll talk about them in a moment. I'm going to weave in a company that I spoke about recently as well into those. But it is cheaper than CSL, Neuron, and, uh, dare I say it, Nanasonics. But you're not going to find Benjamin Graham buying this stock anytime soon. Uh, Momentum, that is interesting because I think the pullback does create a bit of an opportunity in price. I mean, if you look at the stock, its rank comes through a 79. Uh, before it reported, it was actually 73. Uh, it's come down recently in the last few uh, weeks, but still, I think it's quite solid. It started the new financial year, actually, at 56. There, there's been consistent improvement here, which I like. There's been improvements to the 2024 and twenty-four and twenty-five earnings expectations, which are another plus. Look, that high of 2021, look, it stands out like a beacon. Listeners will also note that the price has retraced all the way down back to that $13.45, $14.15 support range, which is a key level that I'm watching at the moment. It was first seen back in 2018. It continues today. It's actually been tested three times since that point, back in March 2000, in June uh, 22, and then September 23. So it's a significant level and we need to watch that. So From my view, the upside target and a good position to take profits would be around the $28 mark that goes in that correct uh, direction. Either way, though, you'll be maintaining a position at this point. We hope it certainly gets to 28, because if it falls through support, watch out below, and that's something we've got to watch.
0: Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Are you picking shares on gut instinct, buying on press tips or rumours? Do you struggle to find the time to keep up with the research and analysis that goes into evaluating potential stocks? Stockopedia are pleased to offer a special deal to listeners of this podcast, a 14-day free trial and a 10% discount on the first year of membership. Sign up now at ystockopediacom slash sfb. There's no better time to access the most comprehensive, easy-to-use investing toolbox for DIY share investors. 10% off, 14-day free trial and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's ystockopediacom slash sfb. Just as a little aside here, um, last week, Chris and I discussed um, another company. It was um, our super auto group. Mm. And um, we also covered a little bit about enterprise value and about how if the enterprise value is less than the market value, it means the company has cash on hand. And and so when I looked at um, Clinivelle on Stockopedia and being able to see that the EV was less than the market value, I was able to say, okay, they've got cash on hand. So yeah, great, great lesson very- to learn.
1: Very important, particularly a very, short, got big, a very good shortcut. Yeah, correct. Particularly when you've got um, big aspirations in regards to growth and where you want to expand your business, because um, everyone's got to pay the ferryman, and cash is the cheapest form of financing. And if you've got that on hand, it's a great privilege to have.
0: Yeah, especially in these days of high interest rates. Mm. So, what's the
1: outlook? Yeah, look, when it comes to any pharmaceutical business, looking at the company's outlook to understand where it's. Pipeline for future growth catalyst is pretty important. It is important though that that carries risks. Investors need patience, basically, to realise the goals that the company has. But on the surface, at least, um, in regards to CUV, the pipeline looks full. They're looking to use their Senesi technology in adolescents. Currently, can only be used in adults, um, so that'll be another potential win. But again, another small part of the market. Now, they do have currently out there at the moment a treatment for vitiligo. Unfortunately, it's known as Michael Jackson syndrome. Perhaps that might make a, a, a little more clearer to people, which is basically when uh, pigments effectively lose their colour, which can obviously be disastrous. There's other conditions they're treating for, like skin blistering. There's more uh, light-sensitive solutions that they're looking to develop, and now even stroke. And I note with great interest, the recent chairman-elect to the company is Mr. Jeffrey uh, Rosenfeld. Now, he's a great neurosurgeon from the uh, Alfred Hospital here in Victoria. I think it's the Alfred. Oh, it's either the Alfred or the Austin. And basically, he deals with, you know, predominantly with nasty brain stuff every single day for a living. You'll find him on Google everywhere, of course. And the fact that he continues to remain at the company, which he first joined as a non-executive director back in 2020, that's obviously a positive. And now he's been elevated to the position of chair. So that's another win, hopefully, for the company.
0: Okay. As always, let's talk about the risks and um, about another stock this week that um, demonstrates the problems with companies in this sector.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Look, I don't need to tell experienced investors, Phil, of the obvious risks involved with pharmaceutical businesses, especially those uh, that have trials currently in the field. And there is that recent example that we're going to touch on in a moment. So, even though it would appear that basically the bets are locked, right? You can almost pick that they're going to be in a winner. It only can come undone with just one cohort of poor results. It's uh, quite extreme how it can happen. So notwithstanding that Senesi has been out in the field for some time and that the early uh, signs from its uh, Vital IGO tests actually look quite exceptional, there is a risk. There's always a risk that it doesn't work. So investors best remember that when considering CUV because, of course, This is not too dissimilar from a stock that I covered quite a few months back now, and that was Nanosotics. Now, they had basically the same. Its runway looked clear, but I spoke of a big risk to the delay of the Chorus product, Um, its endoscope sterilization product. And guess what? Fast forward to today, and there's another delay in Chorus. And now that is expected to be delivered in the first quarter of 2026. Plus, there was a profit downgrade that came as a result. So as you would expect, the price fell quite heavily on that news. And it's an important reminder because it shows us that big shifts in the price can happen to both non-profitable and profitable biotech businesses. So no one is immune, pardon the pun. So back to CUV, the risk is that, of course, this pilot that they've got for their um, cosmetic products fails in Europe. That's something they need to uh, consider. There's other standard pharmaceutical risks like you know regulatory, financial valuation, intellectual property, all that sort of thing. I mean, just on that, bit, there's competing technology risk all the time. Like, for example, there's a potential rival coming from Mitsubishi in Japan to the Senesi product, even though it's a relatively small target market, even though there's challenges with regards to its early studies and what they've been able to show. It still has impacted the price quite significantly. There's also continued distribution risk that we talked on earlier, given they're doing it themselves. And Dr. Walgren is also a key person risk because he joined the business in 2005 when it was on its knees. He navigated it through various regulatory setbacks and ultimately to uh, first approvals and commercial revenues. Well, now he is now not driving the bus anymore. And he is their largest shareholder. So that is a risk that we do need to consider as well. Notwithstanding some, I suppose, aggrieved shareholders will be happy to see him go, given his rather generous um, payback. But I, for one, acknowledge the fact of what he's been able to do with what has been an incredibly challenging situation, getting him to this point.
0: So Elio, I've just got to say I'm in awe of the amount of detail you guys understand and analyse in all of these companies, I mean, (laughs) across the whole of the ASX. So I value your final thoughts on this company.
1: Yeah, you're right, Phil. There's a lot to unpack with CUV. So there's obvious opportunities that we talked about, but then uh, there are some big risks that the investors need to be cognizant of. So they're profitable and they're not as expensive as, you know, others That are in the similar space. And this is despite that and with that price decline. So they're um, sitting at a nice price level at the moment, in my view. But those risks are real. And just because it makes money now doesn't immunize it against future potential challenges. Investors need to know this. So, whilst it might be premature to suggest the company can get back to all time highs back in 2021, its runway has enough activity that suggests it could run, should a positive tailwind come,
0: of course. And well, well, as we've discussed before in this sector, you know, which covers biotech, pharmaceuticals and hardware devices, you can also draw a parallel with ResMed, I'm assuming, and their performance over the last um, year or so.
1: Yeah, it's, it's inability at the time to capitalise on the pain of a major competitor was a worry for shareholders. It saw its share price fall, I think some 40% from peak to trough. But, you know, sensibility has returned, stability in the price has remained. And notwithstanding that you do have to pay to play for a company like ResMed, its underlying qualities have come to shine to light. So it's overcome that initial disappointment. It's probably at a more fairer price, even though you're still playing nosebleed levels. And I think, yeah, ResMed is a, a nice opportunity now. Well, look, at least it's a hell of a lot better buying it now than it was over $40. Okay,
0: Elio Demato, thank you very much for joining me again.
1: No, thanks very much, Phil. Thanks for listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more
0: at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.